Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. This is the Dental Hacks Podcast, a podcast created by dentists for dentists. Now, sit back, relax. You're about to be hacked. Hello, Dental Hacks listeners, and welcome to a special episode of the Dental Hacks Podcast. My name is Alan Mead. Tonight, we have a special episode featuring one of our all-time favorite guests who's been on a bunch of times, Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Jason and I had a chance to talk to him right around Christmas time, uh, and we got him for like a whole hour, and we talked about a little bit of everything. We talked a little bit about whether dentists should be entrepreneurs. We talked about DSOs. We talked about family life and how uh, how the difference between like a one doctor family and a two doctor. We talked about all kinds of stuff, and uh, it was really good stuff. I thought, and uh, so I'm not going to take any time. I will say this: if you have any questions or comments for T Bone, or any questions or comments for us about the show, feel free to drop us a line at info at dentalhacks dot com. And uh, boy, if you have a chance, run over to iTunes. And uh, give us a review. Give us some stars. That would be fantastic. We're still uh, we're still underneath that uh, 100 review mark that we love to hit. And, man, we really appreciate it. I read every one of them, and, uh, and they make my day. So run over to iTunes, leave us a review. But uh, here we go. Let's take a listen to our interview with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. And now it's time for the Dental Hacks Interview. Hello, Dental Hacks listeners, and welcome to, well, I don't know if it's a new segment or what, but we got T-Bone again, Tarun Agarwal. Dr. Tarun Agarwal is sitting in with the Dental Hacks again tonight. Hi, T-Bone. How are you? What's up, Alan? How are you doing? Good. Very I think good. It's, I think it's T-Bone's yearly holiday special. I think it is, because it's like he's kind of, he's when I think Christmas... I think you, you automatically think of the brown guy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you ever, Jason, how are you doing, Jason? Good. How are you? Uh, so tell me, what's wrong with you? Why are you opening another office? <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously a glutton for punishment. Just, I was I was a little too bored with my my six six day work week and yeah, <laughs> just need a little, little extra bit of self hatred in there, something like that. What can I? Now, do are you to- are you working this new office? Uh, I will be some. I have another dentist that's going to be starting on with us. So he's going to be. Oh, that's good. Sticking there most of the time. Yeah, he's. So this he's will be number three. Dentist. Yeah, that'll be number three. So then we're going to expand expand number two to have some more hours and 
and get that going as well. So good for you. That's smart, man. Yeah, it's so tough at the beginning. We'll it's see. Tough. It's good. <laughs> well, it listen, if nothing else, you died trying. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been saying. It's that if, if this office goes down, at least for lack of trying. Well, listen, if you're going to go down, go down in flames. That's what I say. <laughs> but in, you know, it, it could end up that in a couple of years, you're looking back gloriously on what an excellent decision it was too. I mean, there's always that, there's always that, uh, that chance that you're going to look back on it. It's just the, the, the beginning's always a slog anyhow. So yeah, this is cool. Jason, oh, yeah. why are you doing this? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just have like a, a manifest destiny type mindset where I just, I see an opportunity and I just want to jump on it. Well, I think it's smart. That's why I ask I mean, because it's something I want to do. I just, I, I just can't get myself to do it. I think part of it's because I'm just busy and content enough with what, what I'm doing. And yeah. I think it's unbelievably smart that you're doing it. Well, I mean, I, I was, I listened to you and you and Lance's podcast on the way home today. And you were talking about how you want you you've evolved over the years in your practice. And I think this is part of my evolution that I kind of get bored with doing fill-ins all the time. And this, this keeps it interesting for me. And I've got a passion for real estate and, and developing and things like that. So it kind of all fits into that, that mindset. And I, and I know I don't want to think about this when I'm 60 years old and say, Hey, I'm going to get an office when I'm 60 years old. I'd rather try to do it now and, and get it going if I can. I have a passion for sleeping. <laughs> oh, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if I were doing what Jason was doing, I would have less chance to uh, indulge that passion. Just saying. Well, yeah. yeah, that's true. I love antacids, so that's why I'm doing it, so I can just <laughs> chew on them all the time. Sort of a is that why you're bald, balding? <laughs> yes, probably. Yeah, geez, yeah. I, was, I started balding when I was 19 years old, so I think. Well, I'm you just, should you I'm should just go ahead and shave it all off. Quite honestly. Oh, uh, dude, I've got I've got a huge body and a little head. I would just look <laughs> like a pinhead. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! We weren't talking about that. <laughs> that's not what I tried to get on here for. Oh, I was. I was talking about my, my, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so T-Bone, if you were going to do multiple offices, would you do, uh, I mean, I know you've thought about it because it, it, it's, you're bringing it up. I'm just thinking, would you try and do an office similar to the one that you have now? Or would you try and do something that's like a completely different kind of ball of wax, you know, like where you <laughs> implant ba- based or uh, emergency based or surgery based or or would you just do another office similar to like your own in just a different uh, different area? You know, I'd probably do something similar to what we're doing. I think um, certainly uh, our our scope of services would be different simply because you're limited by uh, the dentist that would be working with you mm-hmm. in that area. And so uh, they're not always the most motivated people or they don't have that complete ownership mentality. Uh, but I, I would certainly try to do, because I think the, the key in what we're doing is is we're trying to almost take care of everything for the patient. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in, we can do everything. And I think that's the key. Now, what I would probably do if I were to open uh, a second office is I would probably try to bring specialists in. That's exactly or, what I was thinking. A month, you if know, I, if I were going to do it, I would want to have an office built for so that you could have specialists that rotate in. So essentially it would be a, cause right now. But how would it be different than what you have already built to a certain degree? <laughs> cause I don't have any specialists in my own office. And I, I mean, honestly, Hello. I have to start looking to do that because we, okay. You guys are both in areas where you probably have specialists coming out your ears, but, but where I am, 
if I have someone who's got a, a tooth that I don't want to take out, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, I don't, I, there's a lot of surgery I don't want to do. You know, I'm just not interested. But I do, I do more surgery than I'm actually comfortable with because it's, it's you know, a There's month no and a half to two months before yeah. I can even get a consult. You can't, you well, know, you so, can maybe fly somebody in to work for you. Well, that's, it's interesting. Because, <laughs> it's interesting because I, I honestly am contemplating my best friend from dental school does all kinds of surgery. We've talked about literally having him get a license here and he'll just come uh, once a month and do surgery till, you know, it, just load his schedule up with surgery because I can't. I can, my patients don't get served very well at that point. You know, it just yeah. it's very frustrating. Surgery is the specific one. We I do much better with some of the other specialties, but I love the concept of having a multi specialty office. And and you guys were talking about you think in five to ten years that most specialists are not going to own their own gig. I want to hear about that. Well, I mean, five to ten years is probably just me being angry. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. But I would, I, you know, listen. At the end of the day, I think. What we'll see is, uh, and this is just me seeing what's kind of happening and taking my own take on it, is I think we'll see probably about half of specialists uh, out there not working for themselves. I think they'll be in group practice settings or in a DSO setting, which is essentially a group practice setting, uh, working within that uh, arrangement. I think the writing is on the wall for the periodontist. I see more and more traveling periodontists than I've ever seen before, and I think... And I'm talking to a lot of them. I think a lot of them are going to be heading heading to that business model as well. But it's not a bad yeah. business model. No, I, I think it's I think it's a superior <laughs> business model for the fact that first off, why does everyone? We got tons of people with really nice offices. Why not use them more efficiently? You know what I'm saying? Like what what, what does what does my office not have that a that a surgeon would need? Well, I could there'd be some specialized equipment. I could get that. You know what I'm saying? There may be a bigger operatory for the surgery. Sure. But for the most part, for the most part, it seems like it would be a really efficient way to do it. Because first off, they don't have to worry about all the the toys. They can let whoever's hiring deal with that or they can bring them mobile. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could do it and save a lot of overhead, it seems like. Jason, did you build a a room in your office big enough for a surgeon or something like that to come in? Um, It's this office is kind of built off off the breakaway model is kind of built for speed. Um, it's 2,400 square feet and we've got seven ops in there. Ooh, that's tight. So, I mean, it's we cool, do, though. it's, it's got a pretty good flow though. It's got a somewhat bigger room. Um, but I think, a, I think a surgeon or a periodontist could get in there and, and be able to do okay. Um, I, I would like to do another office at some point and I think we'll, and that one will kind of have like a, you know, your surgeons <laughs> produce in a half an hour, what your dentist produces all day long. I know. Oh yeah. I know. So I would take two of those ops and combine them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just make one operatory that that's more specialist based. Do you think that specialists are? This is a loaded question, by the way. Do you think specialists are are are, have the ego to be okay with working for for a general dentist? I think a lot of I think a lot of them don't want to do that. If you pay twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars a day, they will they will show up and, <laughs> and do yeah. It. So I, I think I think so I think it's like anything else, Alan. I think um, if if you went back fifteen years from let's say when I went to dental when I graduated dental school and you polled most of the people in my class, they would probably all say I want to own my own practice. Mm-hmm. And if you asked those that same question today in dental school, I think you'd see probably less than half want want to own their own practice. God, and I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Do you think that 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 is in some part the corporate dentistry kind of relaying their message out there that no, you shouldn't 
You should know. What do you mean they're they're relaying the message? They're they're relaying the message that we're telling them we want. Yeah, I mean, at at some point, I think there may be some some message coming down that that people are hearing all this stuff that no, they really shouldn't own and kind of taking it. Well, let's that talk about that yeah. because uh, so okay, so let me play devil's advocate. Listen, I'm an advocate of capitalism. I'm an advocate of owning your own business and working it. But then I believe if you're going to own your own business, you should own a business and operate a business. You shouldn't be owning a practice. I mean, I, I think there's a distinct distinction between owning a practice and owning a business. And I'm yeah. all about owning a business and maybe your practices within your business. But I don't want to digress there. But let's let me take the advocate side and say, why, why should someone own their own practice? And I can give yeah. you all the reasons why I don't think they should. I mean, for yeah. most people, I'm not saying everybody, because what is the average dentist run on overhead in this country? 70. 70%. So that yeah. you that, that, that's, that's, that's before I was looking they, at your books, Jay. That's what it was. I was looking <laughs> at your books. And that's before they pay themselves. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they're taking home 30% of their practice's production, mm-hmm. or collections, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe the dentist should be an employee of the practice making 30% of their own production collections. And then you should measure your business as the percentage it gives you as a business owner. Yep. So if you really take it at, at, at 70% overhead, the the average dentist is getting paid uh, about eight percent, about five to eight percent as a business owner after mm-hmm. they pay themselves the thirty percent. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to take that kind of uh, that kind of workload on in that kind of debt situation and that type of risk for five to eight percent return. It makes no logical sense whatsoever when you can go into an office uh, and then produce and get thirty percent of what you collect in a setting where you just walk in, walk out and, and make it work and probably have a better support structure and a better infrastructure to be able to make, make a, a better production. And you're in your, th- what you're talking about there is having some kind of a DSO, like one of the better DSOs manage the, the, the business side of it. You are the producer and you're getting paid for your dental. Skills. You're just an associate. Yep. I mean, maybe yep. every DSO has a different business model. Some just you just work for them. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, you work under their business structure. I don't want to use the wrong words. Or some you have a potential for ownership. But I, I, what I'm telling you is and what I've seen with people and the more people that open up to me and talk to me is most of them are making less as a practice owner than they could working as an associate in a well-run office. That's very true. I think there's, I think there's a lot to that. I think you might be right. So <laughs> you know, in other words, if, you, if you're a good dentist, okay, by good dentist, I mean conscientious, good producing, works hard, you know, you know, willing to work relatively, you know, and reasonably hard, I should say, and you're making less than a quarter million, you're better off in a associate position. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, there's, it all depends on how, how you approach your business too. And for, for me, the dental business allows allows me to fully fund a 401k or do other things like that and also to look at the real estate portion of it if I wanted to to, to dabble in real estate and be able to have some, some lease space I could get a more favorable loan by buying a building and having put my dental practice in half of it and then then leasing out the rest and that's kind of a jumping pad um, for other stuff so I mean I guess well, what if some of the DSOs like, gave you that option ooh uh, I don't have how would they give me that for the real estate? I guess it's, they do. if it's a they do. They pay you, I, I don't, want, I don't want to use names and things, but they do. They'd probably pay you rent. Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. They give you option to buy into their overall real estate structure. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, yeah, this, all these things you just said, Jason, is, yeah. is is aptly available. I mean, it's available. And, and I see I, it, it is unbelievably appealing to me that I could go into a structure like that 
and really focus on doing dentistry and then making more. If I made more, that would allow me to fund my 401k or allow me to not necessarily have to fund my 401k so much. Yeah. Is that a, is that a REIT that they're doing as far as? I don't, I don't know the technical, term. I don't know the technical structures for all those things, but you have options in some of the DSO organizations to be involved in practice ownership, real estate ownership, uh, and, and multiple office ownerships. I mean, every, every DSO is set up a little bit different. That's it. Me and, me and Alan are going to start our own DSO and it's going to be founded on passive aggressive behavior. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Passive aggressive <laughs> behavior and fart jokes. We'll and, and, so let's think, about, let's think about it this way also. And I had this conversation with Alan mm-hmm. a little bit earlier by, by uh, uh, messaging is, is let, let's take, let's take a relatively well doing dentist, say they're producing seven, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars Let, Let's, a- let's call him Alan. Sorry. Okay, let's call him Alan. Okay, I, I, let's say let's say Alan. So then, if you don't mind, I can use you an exa- as an example, Alan. I don't know your sure, numbers. I'm just teasing. Throw those okay. numbers up there. That works. Okay, but let's say <laughs> let's say a, a, a dentist producing seven fifty. Okay, and let's say they're taking home thirty percent of that. So mm-hmm. that means they're taking home about two hundred grand, correct? Mm-hmm. Maybe two hundred twenty mm-hmm. grand. Okay, uh, I would say, and that let's say that dentist says, "I'm all about lifestyle," and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had that quality in me sometimes, um, uh, but they're all about lifestyle. And they say, you know, and I when, you, and you, when you say lifestyle, it's not necessarily expensive cars and wine, no, but time no. off and time, you know, time hobbies. Off, and, kids, yeah, exactly. You know, so they, they're thinking, focused fact, more on fact, the opposite yep. of lifestyle, let's say. Yeah. I, I'm going to live, live normally yep. and drive normal cars, <laughs> and take normal. vacations and, you know, just live a good life, enjoy life. So I mean, that's yeah. what I mean by lifestyle. Uh, perfect. That's what it, good. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So that person's making two and a quarter, which is good. It's a lot of money. Okay, I'm not going to say it's not a lot of money. Um, I would say, but that person wants to coast the rest of their career. Let's say they're 45. Let's say they, yeah, let's say they're 45-ish. Okay, so that means on an average retirement, say 65, that's 20 years. I would say you have two doubling cycles left for your money. Okay, so I would tell that person that if that's the mindset you have, you should sell your business today. You should sell your practice today. Because what you would get for that seven hundred fifty thousand dollars practice is probably half a million dollars, mm-hmm. okay. And then that half a million dollars again, there's ways to structure it for the taxes and things like that. But let's just live in a perfect world here uh, that there are no taxes. That half a million dollars will double and then double again. It'll turn two million dollars. And that person that's going to coast their practice for the next twenty years will take that seven fifty practice and maybe they'll be doing eight eight hundred or eight fifty. Instead of five hundred thousand dollars sale, they'll have a five fifty thousand dollars sale. So they've only gained fifty thousand dollars in that money. When here I can take that five hundred today, lump sum cash, and turn it into two million over the next twenty years, and continue to work within that practice if that's an option as an associate, essentially making two hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, why would somebody not do that? I mean, it's it's very appealing. The assumption there is that there's an organization that wants to buy that practice and there will, are and will manage it. Yeah, sure, yes, for I, sure. There's there's a bunch that that are that are you know that that advertise for that sort of thing. So assuming that that were the case, that is a very appealing. It's a very appealing deal. Yeah, and then you don't to. have the headaches of managing people. You don't have the headaches of all that BS. And then you could just pop into work at eight o'clock, leave at five o'clock, maybe work four slash five days a week, whatever whatever you're working and. And, and and be done. And you've essentially fully funded your retirement. If you can live a lifestyle on, on that, I mean, you're done. So that's that's one way. That's one way. If a person is more lifestyle, they've got a they've got a maybe a plateauing practice that, that produces well but not amazingly. Have a co- company that can come in here that can run it a little leaner, a little meaner. You can be the producer. 
and be paid as a producer. You don't have to worry about the business aspects, and you you get a little chunk of change that'll grow while you're still practicing. I you know it's, uh, it sounds like a dream come true. And but see, here's the problem with me for for de- in dentistry is where most of us, uh, me not included, uh, is are too egotistically against DSOs that we would never consider that when it makes all the financial sense in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. No, I know there's there's definitely a. a just even mentioning it in in certain company, and there's just this bristling of DSOs against DSOs, right? I mean, that's that's everyone's heard that. Yeah, of course. And and see, I I I, I have nothing wrong with DSOs. I think they're 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 serving a need that we're not as private practitioners are not providing. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think of all our friends are private practitioners, almost all our friends are private practice owners. And what percentage of them own uh, have associates? Not as many as I used to, and no, not that many. No, maybe ten percent. Yeah. So if we're graduating five thousand dentists a year, they're they're debt ridden, and and we're telling you that half of them don't want to own their practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not within the first three or four or five years. Then where the hell are these people going to go work? If we, the private practitioners, aren't creating the jobs mm-hmm. for these five thousand graduating dentists, where the hell else are they going to go? Mm-hmm. They're going to go to these DSO organizations. And and they're going to go there, and that, that's okay. So to me, if you're anti DSO, then do something about it. That's right. Okay, so start a business. You are, if you are, be be that way for the right reason. And to be honest, in a lot of cases, there's not a great reason because they're managing it better than. Uh, than yeah, you know, I get it. The autonomy to a certain degree is gone, and you know, I understand some of those things. And and but at the end of the day, you you really don't have autonomy. In your, I don't have autonomy in my practice. My practice is run by my patients, what they want, what they need, by my insurance companies, what I'm allowed to do and what I'm allowed to charge. I mean, where is the autonomy in our business as it is? Do you think a lot of that ego is keeping people from from grouping together? Say if say if a lot of people would make more money if they just grouped together with five other dentists and then then sold their practice, they would get more more on their multiples for their for their office. Yeah. Or they, uh, they could group together and negotiate with insurance companies, negotiate with suppliers, negotiate with labs. I mean, all, I, mean I know I really don't want to go down this road, but that's what organized dentistry should be doing. Mm-hmm. But they're not. Yeah. I, I I laugh because I agree that part of me is like that DSO deal sounds great, but then then the other <laughs> part of me goes. Yeah, but I'm a rugged individualist, and look what I've created here. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's and great. You dentists, know what? You've created something. You should sell it now. Take yeah, the money. Exactly. Take the money. But dent, you, dentists are kind of famous for that, don't you think? Where they kind of they kind of feel like it's you know this is my thing. You know, it's it, well, too. It's if you look at all the entrepreneurs these, these days, it's like groups of four and five, ten people like getting together and doing this, and, and that company's built off a of multiple right off the the, the bat. But yeah, dentist is all a one person show, like right from the start, and it just. Well, also, you know, dentists, dentists have a hard time with associateships and partnerships. I mean, they, they, they literally. I mean, we have kind of a bad track record with those breaking up poorly. I mean, even you know what I'm saying. Like that's the other thing. I think I think dentists are a weird group that way. And I think part of it too is 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 I have a feeling of responsibility in my office that if any if it hits the fan that it's going to come down on my head. So yeah. it's, it's not all it's not always an ego thing. It's and there's like, no cushion to protect it because you have a lack of hair there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that you mention it. On my butt or on my head? <laughs> well, I wasn't referring to your ass. I've never looked at it. So, but, but see, to me, listen, when you hit that million-dollar mark, okay, uh, and, and if you're not going to be committed to growing your practice 10% a year, you should sell. That's my opinion. 
Okay, now I'm not saying that you will grow at 10%, but I'm saying committed to doing those things. Committed and actually committed in having a plan, like having a plan that you're trying to execute. Yeah, of course. Committed means to me means having a plan, Mm -hmm. making an attempt to execute it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll fall on your face. Sometimes you'll do 20%. Sometimes you'll do negative Mm -hmm. 5%. If I do 20%, 20%, can I take a year off? You may possibly. It depends. There might not be anything when you get back. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, people look at me sometimes or my friends or colleagues and say, why are you so hell-bent on growing? I'm like, because if I'm not growing, I might as well sell and move on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants? but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career, just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. But clearly, we've come up with the idea that that's not such a horrible thing either. Actually, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not. But but it's you know, it, it, and maybe that's in the future for me. Who knows? But you know, I, I'm just saying that if my whole point is, if you're not committed to working and growing your practice, sell and work for somebody else mm-hmm. who is committed to growing your practice. Do you know who you owe it to? You owe it to your team members. Yeah. So they so they have upward movement. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, because you can't pay your team members more if you're not producing more because all you're doing is taking it out of your pocket. Yeah, that's exactly And that's right. not fair to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I just tell it's all their fault. That's how I saw it. <laughs> that's how I looked at everything. It was so bad. We just hired a new person at the front and she came in and says, God, your office is so organized. I'm like, dude, it's chaos in here. We got to <laughs> fix this. That's funny. If she said it and if she said your office is so organized and you think it's chaos, just imagine where she came from. No, that's what she was saying. But I was like, oh my God. I'm like, wow, we are so disorganized. I mean, like, unbelievably disorganized. She says, the guy I used to work for in Saginaw, holy sh**. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she happens to be from Saginaw, and I'm just messing with <laughs> All right, so I had another question for you, T-Bone. So you, we're, you're talking about real estate, and I know you own a building, and mm-hmm. you, it's a building that's split into two offices, right? Your wife's office is also in it, is that correct? That's correct. Is, there, is, that, is it just the two offices, or are there more? Uh, well, it's just, we, between us, we have the, we've occupied our 10,000 square foot building. Okay. Okay. So that's okay. So where I really going with this is, okay. So you own that building with your wife and your wife's business and yes. uh, you guys are the, are a two doctor family, if you will, husband and wife both have their own, 
practices their careers in a lot of dentists are married to either dentists or uh, or doctors. He's a or, dentist. She's a psychiatrist. <laughs> exactly. So, and I'm just curious because I think a lot of listeners may run into that where they've married someone from dental school or or someone that they met in dental school that was in medical school as a physician. So you've got like the the husband and wife doctor team. And I'm thinking to myself, a lot of times I've been, man, it'd be great if I'd have married another dentist. The income would have been, you know, basically we could have lived on my income. And would income your expenses could... go up? But... Well, that, here, that's what I, I want you to, first off, now Jason is married to a dental hygienist and I am married to a stay-at-home mom. So we have three different situations here. And I'm just curious about, from your standpoint, T-Bone, the pros and cons of that. I, I think a lot of the listeners might enjoy that. Like what are, what, what are the upsides that you found from it? Well, you know, I, I, let me back up for a second. So when we bought my when we bought the building, uh, my wife wasn't finished residency at the time. So we bought our building just with me. I mean, it was just me uh, buying that building, and, and for five years I carried it by myself. Okay. So, um, but there, there are pluses and minuses to it. Number one, uh, she works, she makes income, so that that certainly allows me to take more risks today than I used to be able to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny, I'm, I'm less risky now than I was when I had nothing. It's kind of interesting how that works. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly. But the negatives are, you know, we we both work. We both work full time. So we have to have help to be able to do that. And that help costs money, mm-hmm. that help uh, or that, that lifestyle that we're able to afford and that through our work also has its sacrifices on our families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, from our kids. You, and, and you have three kids, correct? I have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Okay, wow. So you're right in the thick of it, too. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't get to see my kids as often and mm-hmm. um, because we're working and we're doing things like this and I'm, I'm you know, busy in many other things that we're involved in. Uh, and same with my wife. She's working. And when you own your own practice, own your own business, you know, you work, you work as an employee from 8 to 5 and then you work. As, as a, a business, business owner, owner uh, yeah, beyond other that, other times, yeah. you know, um, and and certainly my wife is, is fortunate that she, I'm able to help her, and I'm fortunate that she's able to help me when I'm out. Uh, but you know, the, I I don't I I think it's um, I wouldn't call it pluses or minuses. I think we're afforded more financial freedom uh, than than maybe most, but uh, I would say that's about it. Well, but you really, I mean, honestly, I think about it. Okay. So my wife's a stay-at-home mom, and that's not quite 100% true because we have a, a horse boarding farm, and she runs that a lot. Now that both my kids are school age, you know, she spends a lot more time doing farm stuff, and, and which is fine. It's That's a business that's probably not – It's I can't I can't imagine a less profitable business actually, but <laughs> but but I mean it's her passion and and so but she's she is a stay at home mom. She's able it's to profitable take in the sense that it doesn't allow her to go out and go shopping. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a certain amount of horse that she has to shovel and that keeps her. Yeah, exactly. But I mean she's she's there for the kids when they need school stuff or you know to take them to school, pick them up. Then she's really available. And she, and prior to my youngest going to kindergarten this year, he was home with her at least part of the so. So it was really family-wise, we benefited greatly from the fact that that she was stay at home and she she didn't have a, a job in the same way that like your wife does. So then the question is, you know, how what's the balance now that the kids are in school? There it affords her more time to do other stuff, and I mean, so depending on the age of the kids, it really doesn't affect them as much when they're in school anyhow. Like, do you guys do you guys have like a, a nanny or a or a? We have two. We have two almost two full time people that work with us at home. Okay, interesting. We have a live in live in nanny, and then we have a, a person that does other stuff for us. 
Okay. But, but, and people say, oh my God, it must be nice. And I'm like, well, we have no choice. Well, yeah, what, it's really and truly, it's one or the other. I don't, you know, you can't. <laughs> I, I told, mean, I, what the hell are we supposed to do? Let our kids run around wild? Well, I, as I told Jason, I said, you know, if you leave water in sandwiches, they'll probably be all right. You know well, what I'm saying? You know, somebody has to take the kids to school because yeah. I go to work at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. And um, somebody has to pick them up because we're both working until 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we want our kids to participate in activities. Now, you know, my wife does, uh, to a certain degree, we've been afforded the opportunity now because we built businesses instead of practices that we can, she can work less. I mean, I could work less. I just choose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can do some after school stuff with the kids. But, you know, so, somebody's got to do it. I mean, somebody's got to clean my socks and my <laughs> boxers and stuff like that. I mean, uh, you don't you don't just throw them out. No, I, I tried that, but it got, <laughs> got too expensive. It's yeah, exactly. It's easier to just hire somebody. So okay, so when when is your best family time? Is it just after work or is it weekends? Or do you, I mean, do you take a lot of vacations to make sure you get? Because I, I will say that one thing you can, uh, I get a lot of FaceTime with my kids because, you know, like I said, she's a stay-at-home mom. And so I come home from school and they're right there. and we're in, So it, it's great for me in that way. And I just think about if, I don't know how you do it with, with two people working a full-time schedule as health care providers. I mean, yeah. Wow. So we get time on uh, the some weekends. You know, again, I'm, I'm not a great example of this, but I'm gone a lot on the weekends with them done teaching or, or speaking 20, 28 weekends, 28 to 30 yeah. Fridays a year. So that, Jeez. you know, so those are gone. Um, uh, so I'm, but I'm a workaholic. So, but what my wife has made us do, and this is a, a benefit, I guess, of having dual income, but then the negative is uh, of our lifestyle is we have, the only way we can take vacations is we have to leave town. Mm-hmm. So like we'll take four nice trips a year, four to five, Nice trips a year. Away, away. Like away means away. Yeah. Like away this year has meant Mexico, mm-hmm. Africa. We're going to Florida tomorrow. You know. Oh, um, good. Good for you guys. So, so, but that's the only choice. I mean, otherwise, I will sit at. I'll go to the office, or otherwise, I'll have. Oh, I got this thing to do. I got that thing to do. And uh, so, the only way we really spend true quality time with with the kids, or at least for me, is is that we have to go out. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's a good thing. I mean, it's terribly embarrassing. To say that, but uh, it's I don't know how to fix that. To be honest with you, it's not like I'm driven by money because I'm not. I'm just driven by growth. I'm driven by being driven. I mean, that's just. It's, but it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting statement because we were sort of lo- we were sort of defining the the lifestyle person or the person who who really and that is you you're saying it and it makes sense. You almost have to uh, to make that choice because it is easy to fall into the the pattern of. You know, I if I'm here, I should be working. You know, it's I've got there's work to be done, and I could be doing it. Whereas, you know, it's you you have to go out of your way for the lifestyle choices. In your case, you you have to leave town. I mean, I mean, we make money, but we spend it because honestly, we'll spend on average we'll spend sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year on vacations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, it, it's it's not cheap to do some of those things, but that's that's our time that we get those those. Those four times a year that I take a week and a week, a week and a half off, that we go away. I mean, that's that's the time with the kids. That's what they remember, and that's I want to at least be dedicated to that time. Mm-hmm. Jason, how are you? How are you uh, falling into this? Because you are busy as all get between you know working the existing practices and and what you're having to go through for the new practice. How are you feeling like uh, personal time and lifestyle stuff? Oh yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely on the short end of the stick because I work an hour and a half away from 
my house. So, I mean, I have a, I have about a three hour commute every day and then come home and then trying to get all the other stuff going. <laughs> so yeah, burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. But yeah, but hopefully, hopefully it'll pay off at some time in the future. So yeah, definitely. Looking at that golden carrot out there, some dangling out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think probably I'm of the three of us. I I'm not going to say I manage my time particularly well, but the hobby, you know, the the thing that I do the most of is, is podcasting. And frankly, it's it's after the boys go to bed for the most part. I I can plan it around that. So I I have a little bit, uh, maybe maybe a little slightly less hectic. I don't know. It's it's not easy. It's not it's not easy at all. And it's it, so. <laughs> T Bone, how did you meet your wife? Like, how did did she? We know met she on the was, internet. What's that? Met on the internet. Did you really? Yeah, of course. And you were already you had already graduated from dental school when you met her. Yeah, I just graduated from dental school. Okay, was she in medical school at that point? She was. Okay, she was. Uh, she was her third, second or third year of medical school. Okay, so that. I mean, you <laughs> you kind of went into this knowing that it was going to be a you're you're going to have a couple careers to deal with anyhow. Yeah, you know, and, and it's uh, and I don't try to say this chauvinistically, but it was important to me to have someone that worked. Uh, because I, I believe in that, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was very important to me that uh, that uh, I, that as a physician or a dentist, she practices her trade. I mean, I, I didn't want her. I mean, at the end of the day, my wife could choose not to work. I mean, luckily, you know, we she could choose that. But I, I don't think that would be fair to her for me to ask her to do that or encourage her to do that. I think uh, she should do what she wants to do. So that luckily for, for me, that is work. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and when she she's trained and she's trained in something very specialized and very potentially, uh, you know, that's a that's a serious career. So she's got that. I mean, it's great. That she's got that option. I just I don't know. I, I never I never uh, I have a lot of friends who who honestly I have a lot of friends who met their spouse in dental school, you know, and so they mm-hmm. and so and I always wondered how they balance that. Actually, to be honest, uh, anyone who's listening to this who has like great stories, because I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are listeners. Like, oh my God, I've been married to you know a dentist forever, and it's insane or whatever. Just emails at info at dentalhacks.com. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear how people handle relationships with other prof- or lawyers. God, if you're married to a lawyer, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> people are crazy. <laughs> Actually, I met my wife in in my office, so that's. I get the get the wag of the finger, but yeah, I'm 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 uh, I'm looking at you in a in a stern way right now, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so what about what about people opening practices versus businesses? Do 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 you guys think that people understand the difference or even give a shit about the difference between the two? Well, I think I think most people who are trained as dentists look at it as I'm going to open a dental practice because that's what I went to school for. Or at least, honestly, you know what? My generation of people like that. I think you're making a really good point, though. I don't think that's splitting hairs. I think that's a really because my question is this that I've always I always bust Jason about it, too. Do dentists need to be entrepreneurs? Do they need to be business owners? Do they need you know, is that how important is that? And I I uh, I struggle with that a little bit. So if you were if you were starting out from scratch, let's just okay. Here's T Bone. T Bone is we're going back in time. He's like a senior, or he just graduated from dental school. He's got about three hundred thousand dollars in debt, and uh, and you, but but he has he knows what you know now. So what would you do? What's what's your what are you looking for at that point? Are you looking to? Are you trying to open a business? Are you trying to? Uh, and assuming that your clinical skills are that of a new grad as well, what what would you do? Well, I, I would, I would be torn between opening my own place, 
because it's worked out well for me. So why would I want to do something different? Um, or joining a DSO that would give me the opportunity for ownership. Ownership, you know, controlling my destiny is a non-negotiable to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I would want to have something that would allow me to um, to own my destiny. Do you feel like a scratch start is an option for someone who's got that kind of debt? Yeah, why not? I just I mean, wonder. I, I don't know. Option, is it a legitimate option? I mean, I, it's I, more. It's more about can you get? You think it? You think it's pretty safe to say people can get the money for that? Oh, the, there's no question they can get the money. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, it's I mean, gonna be hard Jason to get the money. money. <laughs> it's it's gonna be hard to get the money. You're gonna have to prove. I mean, I'm I'm going through it right now. You're gonna have to prove some viability with it. They're 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 not gonna readily just give you money just willy nilly. Just to say, hey, I'm I'm fresh out of school. I'm I think start De- Dennis Frazee said as much of the same thing too. He he worked for a while in a clinic to prove that he had some some skills before they they were comfortable signing off on that. But yeah. I don't think it's insurmountable. But I think that that's pr- the reality yeah. is that's a lot of debt, and you haven't proved that you can produce it yet. And once once again, I mean, like T Bone said, you're going to have to get out of school, and you're going to have to work somewhere to prove that you've got some. So you're probably going to have to have to work for a corporate environment or a larger thing to just to get it. And even if you want to get in there and have enough, have enough production where it's, you can prove that you can do it. You're probably going to have to work in a larger practice to really say, Hey, I can produce $600,000 a year. If you go into a smaller practice, you're probably not gonna be able to hit those numbers and you're not gonna be able to present that to the bank later on. Very to good. Very actually good get point. The financing. Very good point. Like he, like a mentorship relationship where you're starting out slow and learning from learning from the master, you're not going to have the numbers to prove to a bank that you can do that yet. Yeah, you you go to a bank saying, "I'm going to need say for a startup, we were looking at really getting going. You're going to need almost a million dollars to get this get this startup going. They're going to look at you if you're producing two hundred thousand dollars and say." never <laughs> and and really for to do a to a to a scratch startup you're going to need it need at least 400 to 450 thousand dollars to get a build out to get equipment to get everything going and that just that just gets you in the door so i mean you really have to plan that out before you before you even start thinking about that i don't think 400 grand does anything for you anymore so. oh no yeah i mean that, that'll barely get you in the door with with Equipped a couple of rooms, but and it, yeah. I, I gotta say, it depends on where you're talking about because four hundred grand would get you quite a bit in my area compared to <laughs> compared to where you are, Jay. I mean, four hundred four hundred grand. I'm not even I mean, sure that's the front door for you. But. And I, I will say too, we did we did build an office several years ago in 2012, and contractors were just jumping over each other trying to get to you to get yeah. work because it was it was a bad time for them sure. and it was much cheaper but now things are much better the the prices have gone way up so it also depends on the availability of everything out there too sure sure well yeah i, mean, I, I think I, I would without question still build i think i'd still build an office or or i would really strongly consider joining the right dso mm-hmm Really strongly consider joining the right DSO. Okay, I don't want you to use names, but what's what? Uh, what are the characteristics of the right DSO for you? Uh, allow me to have ownership. Um, so uh, uses uh, technology based. And when you say allow me to have ownership, typically that's an option to buy in after a certain amount of time, is what I'm assuming. It, typically, they don't let you buy in right off the bat, do they? I can't imagine that they let you buy in right off the bat. Yeah, it's but it's typically as it's offered up as an option after X amount of time, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I would say um, 
uh, ownership to me would be allow me to buy in. I can't imagine they'd give you 50 or 51 percent, but allow me to buy in at least 45, 45, 49 percent mm-hmm. of, of it. And the DSO, you're talking about the management portion of it, not the not the MSO or the meta or the actual clinical portion of it, or is there is there some distinction that some people might not really know what the two? No, I would want to have an ownership in the business part of it. Okay, I mean, not in not in the overall DSO, but the business part of my of the practice itself of the office, the individual of the office. office. So let's yeah. say because Heartland owns a whole bunch of different offices, and but you want you're talking about. You want to have the percentage in in the office that you're working in at that point. Yeah. Uh, yes. Absolutely. And the and the percentage of the, uh, well, to me, because I want to be able to control what I can control. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I can't control what I can't control. So why would I want? I don't want ownership in something that I can't control. Okay. So and, oh, go ahead. And, and some there's an office here that's locally that's that's a. Um, I don't know how they're. I don't know how they're structured, but it's a group practice, and a lot of the doctors vote on different things, and they have different portions of ownership. And some of the doctors say that they can't get anything done because each of them have such a small percentage of everything. So yeah, I think, but, I but think having it, control is having control is a good thing. So, like what you're saying, you need to have control of it, or else you're you're going to get lost in the mix too. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I would want to have ownership. I would want them to have um, uh, some semblance of technology, not be a Medicaid-driven office or mm-hmm. something like that. I'd want them to have uh, the ability to allow me to do procedures beyond fillings and crowns and things like that. I, I would want to, uh, you know, uh, be able to do that. Um, clearly, there's some that really, I mean, that are really heavy on that. For instance, Pacific, I think pretty much every practice has a CEREC. I think they're they're kind of a uh, they're kind of a forward-thinking. Uh, Right. So it's not. It's uh, a lot of times DSOs get sort of a a label hung on them as being mills. You know, mills where you get just new grads coming in, cranking out as much you know chintzy dentistry as possible. And but I don't think that's accurate for all of them. You're going to have to do some looking, though. That's that's the story. You got to figure out which ones which ones fit the bill, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got you've got to be able to do that. So, rumor has it the Dental Hacks podcast is going to have a chance to talk with Doctor Rick Workman uh, from Heartland. Uh, T Bone, what would you what would you have us ask him when we get? A I would to ask him, him just, uh, and I, I know Rick. I've met Rick a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that uh, I would ask him how their ownership model works. Mm-hmm. If there's an opportunity for dentists to own, um, uh, I, uh, basically that's pretty much the only thing that uh, that would matter because I know their organization well enough to know that they they do give the dentists a lot of freedom in mm-hmm. terms of clinical skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I think that that are good with DSOs is they provide training. I mean, unfortunately, most of our dentists are not um, they're not doing enough um, they're not doing enough CE and with the I think CE- they should they should all be Lance Timmerman and go to CE. Three times a week. Well, you know, we can't all be Lance now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they can't, we can't all be Lance, but, uh, you know, uh, certainly. Um, I don't I'm interested, too, because a lot of a lot of the DSOs that <laughs> excuse me, that I'm familiar with actually do a lot of in-house training or they train. They train kind of as a group or a team. And that's sort of an interesting way to go about it. I think. uh our own uh, brain trust member Tammy Bailey is a Heartland dentist, and they do a lot of they do a lot of training together that way. I think. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and that's what I'm saying is is, is they give you the opportunity to take a tremendous amount of CE. That's a cool. tremendous amount. I mean, people like Pacific, Heartland, you know, those are the two big ones that come to my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the other great ones out there as well, but those two come to my mind in the sense that, um, you know, they, they've got it, they've got it figured out to a certain degree. They give you the option to have relatively unlimited potential and income. To I, I don't know about Heartland and the ownership model, but there's an ownership model that exists there. The, the ability to have some, you know, some long-term equity in there and. Um, uh, you know, I, I just look at it as, as a good option. And and, and the dental XP guys have have hooked up with Heartland. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty renowned for dental education. Yeah, so. exactly. And, 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 you know, it just, to me, it makes all the sense in the world. If you're not going to grow your practice, take the money now. I mean, all the sense in the world. I kind of wish you hadn't said that. I kind of wish you hadn't spelled that out for me. Cause now, now you got me thinking just like, Jason, Jason's a little pissed that you guys talked a lot about sleep dentistry on Lance's podcast because now he's thinking about it again. Why? Well, you should. Why? Do, oh, let's get into that. Why, what, what? What is there to think about, dude? We did. We did twelve appliances this month. I just. We never. We never could. We could never could get a system going where we could oh, file for insurance. And, the wrong people. Yeah, I mean, I and part of it was part of it was my own ignorance. I didn't. I didn't know where to. I didn't know where to go. You had you had several systems that are selling you a lot of expensive stuff, and kind of got burned on that. And you don't know where to go. It's it's well. Here's it's, the good news: we'll have some training for that later on this year <laughs> on on the system. And my goal yeah. isn't to try to sell you on anything, but yeah. I, I just I think there's too much opportunity there. I mean, this is going to get me on my soapbox. I mean, I I think <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. I think dentists should stop doing fillings and crowns. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. I mean, when when we were diagnosing it, I saw, once my eyes were open, I saw it all over the place. Mm-hmm. It was it was just like holy crap. I, I think I think that's true. But tell me yeah. tell me more about this. Stop doing fillings and crowns. 
Okay, so okay, so <laughs> this goes back to my growth model. So, Alan, what? Let, let's let me just. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I don't really mean this, but let's say you don't want to necessarily care to grow your practice. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, let's. I want to stay stagnant. That's where I'm. Okay, at right you want to stay steady. Let's not mm-hmm. use the word stagnant. Let's just say steady. Okay, <laughs> stagnant's a bad word. Stagnant's okay? maybe a little little judgmental. <laughs> yes. Let's say you want to stay steady. Okay, and part of the reason that you probably want to stay steady to a certain degree is that you're like, well. To do to make more, I am just going to have to work more. True. Okay, because I'm going to have to do more fillings. I'm going to have to do more crowns. That means more hours, more patients, more all those things. Correct. And and the reason that is is because fillings only pay X dollars, crowns only pay X dollars, and there's a ceiling on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now what I'm saying is, is I'm growing my practice of so me, my me personally within my practice, and I'm taking eight eight weeks off a year now. Okay, and I'm working three days a week in terms of in the practice and, and producing more than I produced before because I've, I'm, I haven't stopped doing fillings and crowns, but we're, we're, we're moving towards stopping doing fillings and crowns. And we're focusing on doing things that produce at least what a crown does in less than a half an hour. But what about the, what about the people that need fillings and crowns? Well, great. I'll hire an associate. Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. So it's, you're saying that the owner, the business owner and the person is going to is going to take that stuff this is a whole cycle to me okay because most people if i said to you alan why don't you get an associate i'm not busy enough i don't have enough for him to do yep great but stop doing fillings and crowns but how am i going to pay myself stop doing fillings and crowns because when you say yes to fillings that means you're saying no to crowns when you say yes to crowns that means you're saying no to something more valuable okay, than that okay but I'm, here's here's the i'm just going to step back no, no, and, we, and we, bring are, it. we are bring we it. are doctors and we also have to do what the patients need so uh, just putting that aside let's go with your model i mean the bottom line is not you know what i'm saying just no, no I, I don't know what you're saying well, but my patients need these things. Your patients don't need sleep apnea treatment. They don't need implants. No, of course, they don't need orthodontics. They do, but what I'm saying is, you can't as a as a business owner, you can't just say, "Well, these, these people don't need fillings; they need crowns." Well, you got to diagnose. No, no, you what can't they make have. it up. Okay, I'm it, not that's, saying you, that's all I'm okay, saying. That's I, all, yeah, yeah, I just, I just want the listeners to understand yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> no, all right, please, thank you. No more fillings. <laughs> this shit. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm not saying. I, make I, it I up, completely, okay? I completely get what you're saying. I completely get what you're saying. Enough, okay? I'm you, certainly not saying that. You're saying you're saying the the basic operative is going to be handled by someone else because you're training to do procedures maybe, that are higher production and higher value. Yes, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, we have a finite. People don't. I can't get dentists. Most dentists understand this. The most expensive overhead you have in your practice is time. Mm-hmm. It's not staff. It's not marketing. It's not all that other stuff. It is time. 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 Okay, and when I'm selling my time on an hourly basis, because that's one of the ways we measure how we do is on an hourly basis, what is what is my goal? What is a lawyer's goal? What is your attorney's goal? Their goal is to produce, charge, be able to charge more per hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, and unfortunately, and, and I use you as an example, Alan, because I know you, and I don't know your numbers, so I'm just saying these things. Sure. Your hourly rate is probably the same today as it was five years ago. Probably pretty close, yeah. And do you tell me what in what other business... But what other profession is that acceptable? Dead silence. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, just try, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I, I don't know that. Uh, I see what you're saying. Your your point is to get the get the what you're doing more productive. I mean, do, yes. do more productive things. Let someone else do the less. I'm not productive saying see, what what I believe, and I really believe this. Okay, because I'm seeing it in my own practice. 
I believe that the average practice in this country can do $150,000 more. And I really don't want the listeners to think I'm all about the money because money is about freedom to me. That's all. Okay. It's not about, I want more things. I mean, I, I, I don't need any more things. Okay. Mm -hmm. To me, money is about freedom, freedom for time. Okay. But the average practice in this country can do $150,000 more in production and collections a year by not seeing a single additional patient than they're already seeing in their practice. Mm -hmm. And we're not tapping into that potential. And that's what drives me absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. Like I would say, look, we know one out of 15 adults suffers from sleep apnea. So how many patients walk through your practice a day, Jason? Walk through my practice a day, let's say 25. Okay, so two people a day are walking by statistics. Okay, and don't tell me you live in, in, in the skinny land, okay? You don't live in skinny land, okay? You live in Virginia. People are fat. Okay. <laughs> so, Never. So, so one to two people a day walk to your practice who have sleep apnea. Why are you, and how many appliances are you doing? You're telling me we can't get a 20, 10% case acceptance? If you've got 10% case acceptance, you, if you have a five-day work week, you're seeing 10 patients a week. If you've got 10%, that means you should be doing one a month, one a week for a month. If you, you should be doing by numbers, by 10% case acceptance, you should be doing four sleep apnea appliances a month. And that alone would be on average $8,000 in production. That's 100 grand a year. And I'm not even asking you to see one additional patient. I'm not asking you to market at all. Zero marketing. I'm just saying treat the patients that are coming in your door by having the tools that they, but, but by having the, the skill set to treat them. Mm -hmm. Stop doing fillings. And the problem is, is you're so damn busy doing that MO that you can't take two minutes on your hygiene check to look down their throat. Because you're so busy trying to get back to that MO. I'm not saying you, Jason. I'm just saying generally speaking. I, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I, I hear you loud and clear. But I'm just saying, you know. Okay, so here's the other thing, though. This is and this is sort of a, a can of worms that I'm not super trained on. So you got to cut me a little slack. But, um, you know, dentists don't really treat sleep apnea alone, right? So you have to have you have to be able to have a. I mean, you're not diagnosing sleep apnea. You no, they, have, they have a physician and a sleep to, study and all that stuff. You're part sleep of the team. Not allowed to diagnose sleep. So, of course, so the bottom sleep. line is, you you really have to build that system in with with uh, you know it's a it's a multidisciplinary deal, is what I'm saying. Not, 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 yes and no, both. I I would say the vast majority of the well, here's what I would say if if we if okay, so using that logic, we'll just never start, okay? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying to you is if you go down the road and you actually so my next question would be is what percentage of our listeners, and you guys included, ask your patients on the health history, have they ever been tested with it for a sleep test? Mm -hmm. I mean or a sleep not, not a lot, not a lot. But it, it is worth mentioning. Lance but Lance kind of started you, out, Lance started out advertising for people that had a CPAP and didn't yes. use it. That's the story. That's that's where you kind of that's start. Half of, yeah. But I'm saying if you ask your patients, it's amazing how many of your patients have had a sleep study. Actually, probably a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot have had already had a sleep study. So they've already had a sleep study. You're done. It's good. You're good. You just need a copy of the sleep study. Interesting. 
So it's so you're just you're saying sleep sleep apnea is where it's heading in in some in some aspects. That's I'm that's saying it's it's one avenue within your practice. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not. The well, it's also it's also potentially super like beneficial for the patient too. I mean, of it's, course, that's it's, it's, the name of the game is that. But for you got to admit, for a couple of years ago, sleep apnea was like the new profit center in your office. And but it like, is. What? It is, but it's but it's also like oh, and by the way, your patients are probably going to live longer, and and frankly, you may be doing them more good with you know a sleep apnea appliance than every root canal you've ever done kind of thing because like you're you're potentially you know you're the helping endodontist will never out. believe yeah, what I was you just say said. endodontist pretend i didn't say that but <laughs> no I, no i really i really actually you have said it better than anyone else has said it i think that there's there's it's a win-win in a lot of cases and i honestly i'm uninterested in this stuff however damn it but, but see, here's what I say is, is we, we see it's like this whole medical billing thing when people say to me, oh, medical billing doesn't work. I'm like, because you just didn't try nicely. You, you just didn't do it right. And, and see, I, I would say to you that we do medical billing unbelievably well on basic procedures. Mm-hmm. Okay, the fancy shit we don't do very well at because it's too complicated. I mean, I don't want to use the word too complicated. It's more involved sure. to get paid on the fancy stuff. Sure. But getting sure. paid on exams, like, for example, in North Carolina. Okay, I get paid for a new patient comprehensive exam. Okay, head and neck, you know, oral facial exam through medical. We get paid one hundred and eighty dollars. Now, through dental, I get paid like fifty dollars for that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, you tell me why are more people not using utilizing medical billing services? I'm not talking about for fancy implants. Oh, I don't do surgery, but Alan, you see. New patients, don't you? You see, you do exams on your patients. You I do. I do do exams on new patients. It's true. Uh, even <laughs> even existing patients. Do you ever see patients more than twice a year and now their exam frequency is met? Yes. I'm not trying to pick on you. I just don't know. Who no, else no, I, no, I'm, I'm, it's interesting. I just, again, not anything I've ever really looked into. I didn't. I didn't. See, uh, see the, to me, the key is, is all those two things alone that I just talked about. Okay. Medical billing and sleep apnea treatment, okay? I'm not even asking you to add one more patient to your practice. Not one. I'm not saying market more. I'm not seeing see, see new patients. I'm not saying see more patients. I'm saying just get paid for the patients you're seeing by providing the services that they already need. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's even better than diagnosing crowns, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I could argue with it that nobody needs a crown. Mm-hmm. They all need fillings, right? Whatever, you know? I mean, I just... but. But these patients are walking in and out of our door every day. No, that's very They're true. left untreated. And what I'm telling you is in, in, in the sleep apnea, at least, there's, there's significant medical benefits for it to help the patient so they can have less out-of-pocket because money plays a financial role for our patients. Okay, When something can be less expensive, a few hundred dollars out-of-pocket, it's better than having to pay two grand out-of-pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this. But what I'm seeing in our own practice is tremendous, tremendous, tremendous result just those two things. And that's why I can truly say that in 2017, not next year, but 2017, I will probably not be doing fillings anymore. Interesting. So I, a, a couple more questions. We're going to wrap it up because we've been going for a little while. So you mentioned uh, hopefully later this year you're going to have some training on either medical billing or sleep apnea or both. We do both. Right? We do medical billing already, but okay. sleep apnea, we're, we're going to be working with Aaron Elliott and doing doing some training there. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, um, let's, uh, let's follow up with you later this, this year. We'll, we'll promote some of that and see if we can't fill some of those. Yeah, glasses you know, up because oh, I, gu- quick, so. I guarantee you, dude, if I'm thinking about it, 
I guarantee you that listeners are thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool, Tebow. I but, mean, that would, that would be a, that'd be a fun way to do it. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to come on and do talk about it in more detail. It's not about, to me, it's not about, hey, come take my class. Listen, if you're too cheap and don't want to take the class, I'll be happy to talk about it on, on, a, on a webinar. No, it, 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 isn't, like it isn't even not that you, so much. Not as, you, but, No, saying, but it's what's you, cool about it, though, is that I think a lot of people haven't thought about it the way that you presented it in the last 20 minutes. I definitely have not. I started Whoa. when I was listening to you talking to Lance. I, I started to think about it, and Jason said something funny about it earlier. And so I like how you presented it. is is definitely like you're not really. This yeah. isn't adding something crazy new. This is already seeing patients. You've see, you really already the are the patients. Like you said, a lot of them are already being treated and not not effectively. And I think too, I think too, there's a lot of guys out there that have that have started and tried to do it and couldn't get a groundhold in it and kind of left it behind. Oh, so I, I think that happened to me. That, I got. I started sleep apnea a few years ago. We did good, and then it went went by the wayside. Because, but things happen, and that's why, to me, you've got to constantly re-energize, reinvigorate, take education. I mean, even as as a CE leader myself, I need to take my own CE to make sure that I'm up to speed. But here's my problem with a lot of lot of the educators out there, and, and there a lot of them are my friends, but some of them don't own practices, or they want to tell you to create a practice that's solely based, like you should create a sleep apnea practice. Okay, so listen, that literally 1% of dentists can do that. Okay, literally 1% of dentists can create I, a practice that's truly sleep-based. So I'm not asking anybody to do anything such a thing. I'm saying you need to, you need to have 60 to 70% of your practice general dentistry, okay, and then you need to add on these services so that way you can transition yourself as the practice owner out of the quote-unquote general dentistry, and allow you to bring in an associate, and now you go from having a practice to having a business and being able to take six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks off a year and work a little bit less, make the same income, and and do dentistry that's a little bit more enjoyable. Totally, totally. But if people want more information, all they have to do about anything I do, my newsletter, blog post, all they have to do is text dental hacks to 44222. And then it'll ask you for your email address, and you can subscribe to our email newsletter, and we'll send you all my rantings and ravings and nice. shit like that. Nice. That's awesome. So, so 44222, just text Dental Hacks to that number. Nice. What a guy. He comes with his own comes with his own text number and everything. Yeah, man. Why not? Yeah, you know, we, we got to, we're running a business here, right? Yep. Kind of. What else do you want to talk about? What else do you want me to get into now? I'll tell you what I, I I did want to ask one more thing. What do you? What's your? Uh, what's happening for 2016? What's What's on the 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 near horizon for T Bone? For me, well, um, like what, I have, what classes are you going to take? What kind of? I know you're going on a cruise in February. Yeah, I'm going on a Star Wars cruise in February, mm-hmm. which is unbelievably mm-hmm. fun. Uh, we plan on we're planning on going to Thailand next year as well. Uh, we haven't booked that trip. Um, and then in terms of CE, I'm going to take some more sleep related CE this year. I'm going to. Uh, I'm working on trying to take some IV sedation training. Uh, the problem with IV sedation training for me is it's three or four weekends. I need to find somebody that'll just do it one one week, one yeah. and a half weeks straight. Yeah. So I, I don't have to take four weekends off. Of the Man, office. if you find someone, I'd be interested to hear about that. Isn't there one up in um, in Pennsylvania? The uh, oh, I can't think of the thing. There's there's a university based one that I was trying to think of. I mean, I'd almost even be willing to pay somebody just to come to my office and hang out with me for a week to, to teach me everything I need to know. Again, let me know about that. You know, just, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even kidding. It is. It's like uh, the weekend thing. Okay, so I, I, you know, learned to place implants last year uh, with four weekend courses, and then went to the Dominican Republic. That's so much time away. That's so much. 
it's a lot of travel. Like it is like two days at a time, and plus then I got basically a day on each end of that for travel. You're like, man, can so you, you live just in Saginaw? I mean, yeah. what do you have to take a what, horse what, carriage to get there? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, we have direct flights to Chicago. So yeah, Saginaw, it's a big town. So. Big town, big time. That's right. So, you know, that's pretty much it. My goal is uh, I've committed to only going on the road, only, I say only, 18 times next year. Oh, gee, cutting for back. Speaking, for speaking. And then we're going to do uh, 10 programs in the office uh, next year. So, uh, you know, that that's, that's a cut down for me, as sad as, sad as that is. Um, but that's the main goal. But, but I'm focusing a little bit more on my practice. Uh, I really am. I'm really... Um, I'm working towards personally uh, not doing fillings in 2017. And I'm also trying toying with the idea of my practice staying as a PPO provider, but me personally not being a PPO provider. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm toying with that. And the other thing I'm toying with uh, that I think we're actually going to try is, uh, you know, I've talked about our payment plans before. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually considering going to the payment plans and, and making it so that if a patient chooses our payment plan option, in-office payment plans, they have to finance the entire amount, not just not just uh, the patient portion, but the entire amount. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm toying with that idea as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm just trying to, trying to spice it up a little bit, see what else is happening. Man, that's good. That's really good stuff. We've been going for an hour, so I think this is good. I uh, appreciate your, your uh, year-end T-bone contribution. And, uh, well, I hope I wasn't mean to you guys. No, no, you've been much meaner in the past. You were very pleasant <laughs> tonight, actually. So, no, I, I, uh, I'm a little pissed that you actually make me think about sleep apnea. That's so, good. Uh, My yeah. whole goal is to create a disruption. Yeah, well, you did, damn it. So, uh, but uh, thanks again for being on. You're always a, you're always a big, uh, a big hit with listeners. And listeners, do you have any questions or comments for T Bone? Info at dentalhacks.com, and we'll make sure to get that to him. And uh, you know. I kind of doubt we're. You'll be on the show again during the year. I'm yeah, sure you always kind of are. So but hopefully one day I'll start my own podcast. For God Damn it! Sakes. Yes, yeah. Well, and trust <laughs> me, we'll we'll get that right out there quick. Uh, we we're still working on them for that. So because the world needs more T bone. That's what it is. They, they, they don't. My wife will tell you they don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us, and uh, and we'll catch you later this year. Thank you. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.